know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, did you catch Connor McDavid scoring his 60th goal of the season last night? Yep. Fittingly in overtime, too. So Fittingly. You know, pretty pretty big game player having just an insane season. I mean, we've come to expect so much from Connor McDavid, but I think you almost have to recalculate, recalibrate what he's doing now. And uh, for him to get to 60 goals already is is quite an achievement, you know, just given that he hasn't been necessarily known as a goal scorer during his time in the NHL. I mean, it's not been a weakness of his, but his strength clearly has been some of his playmaking and consistent ability to put up points. Um, but he's, he's finding the back of the net this year. And, you know, you just feel like, you know, Austin Matthews raised the bar a little bit last year by getting to 60 first player in a while. And then Connor McDavid's blowing right by him a year later. I find it funny that, uh, People have pointed out that uh, Connor's the first Oiler to score 60 in a season since Wayne Gretzky, as if, you know, Wayne Gretzky hasn't gone beyond 60 before m- numerous times. I just find that a small, funny thing. Uh, but a really yeah, cool accomplishment on the part of Connor. 92, 92 in his third full fucking season. It's crazy. Yes. But, I mean, this is nuts, too. Come on. I mean, this is – I think there's a pretty significant mark out here, and I, I don't know if everyone else is focused on it, but, you know, if – if he can go past 65, I mean, 65 is the best goal scoring season of the modern era, call it the salary cap era. That's Ovechkin's best year. I mean, that is, that's dangling out there. I mean, it's not easy to score six goals in, in the 10 remaining games he's got, but it's, it's certainly well within reach. I know some are thinking about 70. I would not rule out 70. Connor McDavid can score 10 goals in 10 games, but that's, that's a big ask. And I, I you know, but 66, if you can get to 66, there's just, to me, there, there'd be real symbolism in producing the best goal scoring year of this era. And look at, he's going to end up with the best point, you know, total of this era too. So this is, this is, this is likely his Picasso season, I, I would say. And, and it's not to say that he's going to be terrible at any point in the future, but I just think it's going to be hard to replicate the kind of numbers Connor McDavid's put up this year. And this, this is, let's just enjoy these last 10 games and see how far he can push this thing. It's almost, it's funny for me. Like, I enjoy playoff races as much as the next guy, but I love seeing a player with a milestone or some kind of goal total or or some, any kind of total in any sport in sight. And then you're counting down the games and counting down the the goals or hits or whatever they need to get to that number. Like that is almost as exciting to me as seeing like which teams are battling to make the playoffs. Just because like you you'll see that like for for certain guys like they know that matters and they're going to do everything they can to ensure that that record or, or just any type of number uh, can be matched. So like, that's why I feel while 65 or 66 is a cool number. Like I'd like to see him get to a full round 70. Like that's going to be really fun to see. And plus the Oilers are going to make the playoffs anyway, uh, barring some catastrophic final 10 games for them. So I feel as if a guy like Connor could just, you know, not cruise, but put himself in a position where he could get that that total, especially if Leon Dreisaitl is just going to be feeding him, got himself a bunch of assists in that game against the Coyotes as well. Like, we keep talking about them, we keep hyping them up, but, like, there's such a great source of entertainment between Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid 
being on the same team and 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 picking up points almost every night. Well, and look at the way the Oilers play. I mean, they're winning these games four three. Would they they beat San Jose this week in a game five four? Although the Sharks had a few goals disallowed. I mean, this is this is eighty style hockey that the Oilers play. Um, I think for for good or for worse um, at times, and 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 I think that that will be interesting to watch during the playoffs. Can they sustain that? This is a little bit of a test. You know, can you win with this kind of offensive engine that they have in, when the games get tighter and and the, the margins for error are smaller? Um, but you're right. This is this is a high flying offensive team, the best power play. You know, really over the last number of seasons, this is the best power play we've seen, the most lethal. Um, you know, kind of interesting that they traded Tyson Berryway this year as part of that deal to get Ekholm because he was the sort of the quarterback of that power play. So they were messing with the, you know, something that was working pretty well with that trade. But um, yeah, I'm with you. Connor McDavid, he's he's almost inevitable at this point. And I kind of agree with your assertion here that I'm sure his teammates, not that he needs help, but his teammates will be looking for him. I, I still think 70, look, I'm not betting against it. I'm not saying it could never happen, but I, it, that's a huge ask at this point. I mean, he just scored two goals you know, with 11 games left. So he'd need to finish with 12 games, 12 goals in his last 11 games to do it again, not impossible, but I think if he gets to 66 goals if he gets over 150 points, I mean, he's going to end up with a season points wise that only Gretzky and Lemieux have ever hit. And I know those guys went way beyond where McDavid's total is going to be in a different era, but like, this is, this is seriously like Mount Rushmore kind of stuff that, that we're watching for McDavid. And uh, yeah, as I say, just enjoy the ride. And then it goes, it starts at zero on April 17th. That's the crazy part. Everyone's everyone's goal total, everyone's win total. I mean, the Bruins can have this fantastic historic season. McDavid can have this historic season. And then we're going to measure them all by what happens from April 17th onwards anyway. Two quick things about Connor before we bring on uh, DB for Sports Interaction. So Connor has 60 goals and 138 points. How... Close are we to say that him winning the Hart Trophy is unanimous? Are we already well past that? There's, there's, is there anyone in your mind who could possibly make a case? Is it, is it really just open shut case when you put it, put it in the ballot? Connor McDavid, number one MVP, it should be for everybody in this case. For me, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't speak for every voter out there, but I, I don't see, I don't see a case to be made for any other player. Quite honestly. Um, you, you know, sometimes there's a yeah, but, you know, to one of these things, I, I really, I think it's Connor above everybody this year. I mean, just look at even on his teammates, like, like how many more points he has than anybody and the, the way he's clearly lifted the Oilers. I, I just, it would be, you'd really have to be stretching your mind into some weird places to, to, to think that Connor McDavid isn't going to win the Hart Trophy, isn't going to win the Ted Lindsay Award. The MVP is voted by his, his peers. You know, I, I just think, I think this one, he doesn't even have to go to the award show in Nashville, put it this way. I think he's, he, he can already book his ticket. You know, he's, he's won it. And the last thing, uh, I know you wrote about it for uh, North Star Bets. Uh, he was asked, uh, Connor McDavid was asked about uh, the ending of this week's World Baseball Classic, which saw uh, uh, Shohei Otani uh, strike out Mike Trout. And uh, Connor McDavid was asked about how exciting that was and how cool it was and the big quote going around. Uh, that's what we've been asking for in hockey for a long time, right? Best on best. Look, everyone's talking about baseball and you see Otani versus Trout, and that's what hockey has been missing for almost a decade now. We've spoken about our need for best on best. Uh, I just was curious about what he had to say with regards to that subject. Well, I think we should view it through his experience, right? He's he's in his eighth NHL season. 
he, he has one best on best tournament on his resume. And that was, you know, the, that sort of gimmicky team, North America team. I know they were fun, but if you're Connor McDavid, you want to pull on a team Canada sweater and play alongside your boyhood hero, Cindy Crosby and, 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 you know, go head to head with the Americans and the other great teams out there. I think, you know, he's, his frustration is certainly not his alone. I think it's this whole generation of players have really lost those storylines, those opportunities. They haven't had a stage like the one you saw with Otani and Trout and, the truth is, Julian, I don't think they're going to get one for a long time yet. You know, this is no longer just, you know, the inability of the NHL and NHLPA to, to plan an event and make the logistics work. This is a geopolitical issue. And the other sports don't face it to the same degree. You can have the FIFA World Cup without Russia. You can play a World Baseball Classic without Russia. You know, NHL players from other countries didn't want to play a World Cup without Russian athletes. And, you know, in it, this, the stage we're at in the world with the, the war in Ukraine, um, and, and Russia's, you know, tactics there, you just can't have Russian players in international competition. So, you know, I, I think at earliest, they're still talking about maybe a February 2025 World Cup. I think that that's a long shot at best. And even the 2026 Olympics are just, it's, it's not a slam dunk that the NHL will be there. There's, there's concessions needed from the ILC. There's just a lot at play. And so, you know, Connor McDavid isn't just looking at this year and saying, hey, I'm not going to have a best on best this year. Like he's looking at the next two, three, four years. And it's it's a big question mark whether he's going to get a chance to to represent his country. And so I, I understand his frustrations, but I, I don't think and I and I love that he's speaking like I love that he's out there saying that. Like, I really appreciate that he's being honest and speak. You can tell he's speaking from the heart about that that question. It means something to him. But unfortunately, I just don't see the conditions changing enough that's going to allow him to, to get into one of those tournaments anytime soon. Yeah, we're at a point now where I, I, I've said before, like, I don't really consider World Cup to truly be best on best. But even then, like, we're at that point where I, I'll take that if that is the best that we're going to get to see an opportunity with with Sidney Crosby and, and Connor McDavid playing with each other and, and Team USA with the players that they have and they've assembled and how stacked they should look at these types of types of international tournaments. It really might be the best we can get at this point. And it sucks for fans, too, because... That's also like a a big point for for people to galvanize and 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 support their country, but also get into the sport. Like baseball just had a moment that has been so fun they have not had in a long time. A, an Olympic tournament or some type of international tournament with the best possible players in hockey has that potential to do the same thing. Remember in 2010, everyone got around Sidney Crosby for the golden goal. Like that was a great moment for the sport. And the fact that, you know, you know since you know, I think that they should still, do if, if you're not able to have what? a full tournament, I think that the, and one way to get perhaps around the rush issue. And I know you're going to have to leave a lot of people on the sidelines, but why not do like a Canada U.S. summit style series? You know, some some sort of, you know, seven game series or eight game series. If you want to play on history, you know, four games in Canada, four in the U.S. I think that's a way at least to to give a little taste of it. Now, that the, unfortunately, we have a we have a very global game that that leaves the Russians or sorry, the, the Swedes and the Finns and the Germans and all these other great players on the sidelines. But I, I wonder if that's at least a compromise decision at some point, if, if it's not going to be possible to gather all the best in one place anytime soon. I'm open to that idea. I'm open to a ton of ideas, uh, but we need to find a way to have Connor McDavid put on a team Canada sweater in a meaningful contest over the next few years. We can, I mean, we were, we were agreeing on everything to this point, uh, and we agree on that. But let's, and I want to see Matthew Kachuk and Austin Matthews and Adam Fox, you know, in a Team USA sweater. Like, like this could be Johnny the greatest Goudreau. generation of American players, potentially. I mean, I, 
it's not just Connor McDavid. He just, he, his voice carries loudly when he speaks the way he did uh, on, on Wednesday. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think that a lot of these guys haven't had the chance, Mitch Marner, you know, even really Nathan McKinnon, you know, we, we haven't, again, all those guys got to, not all of them, but they, they were part of the team North America thing, but I think it's time, high time to, to get to represent their, their countries. Man, who would have thought team North America uh, would be the memory we would hold on to for any type of best on best. Anyway. Uh, let's bring on DB for You Can Bet That. You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Uh, took a look at uh, the goal totals for Austin Matthews and William Nylander to this point. William Nylander at 35 uh, Austin Matthews at 32 goals. Uh, the Leafs have what 12 games left to go, if I have that correct. Uh, what's the chances that both of them reach 40 goals, DB? Julian, that's an excellent question. Uh, previous from our other conversation, guys, it, it kind of got triggered where where we started thinking about you know what uh, two thirty two forty goal scores on the same team, pretty good uh, optics for an offense, right? You, you don't really see that too too often. I know it does happen, and and you know what, there's an opportunity here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we threw that out there. Right now, the yes is a two twenty. It is the underdog. The no is the favorite at one sixty. But as you mentioned, 12 games left. They're within striking distance. I think one of them could get it. And you know what? Austin Matthews right now, CJ, is kind of starting to heat up a little bit. And I wouldn't put anything past him to hit that 40-goal mark as well. And if he does, and Nylander does as well, there's your yes proposition. Yeah, it's a tough ask, though. It's tough yeah. to both of them. And, and, you know, William Nylander's been, you know, the subject of some pointed remarks from his head coach recently, Sheldon Keith trying to get him going his game hasn't been off um, but you know 40 is a pretty big number still I mean we're, we're seeing some really big numbers league-wide but, but 40 I think is a, is a carrot for players and kind of a magnet when you get to this point in the season so I think both those guys will have that somewhere in the back of their mind as they go down the stretch here 12 games left for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, could they get to 40 goals need I remind you all the Flames had three 40 goal scores last year Not just bad. for no reason <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn for all the best odds before game in game and the best props again sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn db we'll talk soon thanks guys this episode of the cj show is brought to you by nordvpn you tired of those regional blackouts when you're trying to watch your favorite sport with nordvpn you can switch your virtual location to a country or part of the world that is showing the event you want to watch so that way you don't miss out and you can watch the action live. Uh, you may be getting concerned about your private data being thrown out there and people invading your privacy, and you might not be the most tech-savvy person. Luckily for you, NordVPN is a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity. It is incredibly easy to use, and with just one click, you're protected. With your NordVPN account, you can have up to six devices protected. It's like your laptop, uh, your cell phone, uh, what other devices, what else uh, you can use to put on there. Uh, just all these different devices you can just use. Up to six. Pretty great. You no longer have to worry about hackers, malicious sites, pop-ups, just for the price of a cup of coffee a month. You have complete peace of mind knowing that your devices and data are protected. A uh, small price to pay for premium security and access to a vast amount of entertaining content from all over the world. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash cjshow 
to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Manscaped. Breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Uh, From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look, and now you can finally use Manscaped products to to make your drapes match your carpet. Wow, that is a line. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet. I'm just going to repeat that for added effect by going to manscaped.com and using the code CJSHOW for 20% off and free shipping. It is time to tame your mane. And you could do it with this bad boy here. Uh, no one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It starts with this bad boy here, the Beard Hedger. It is weird to say that this thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces, considering what the J word means to all of us here at the CJ Show. But business is business. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, the cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you about 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right. Face grooming does not need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus it's waterproof. So you can shave in the shower to avoid all of that hair in the sink, which is absolutely disgusting. Clean that up, please. Uh, the titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. It does not stop there, though, with the Pro Kit. Uh, you have to also consider the beard conditioner and the beard shampoo as well. Remember, your hair is different. Like mine is a little different from maybe yours watching at home. Uh, your beard hair is more coarse, is, is also more coarse and damaged, easier to damage than the hair on your head as well. That's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specially designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health because beard health is important. Also, beard oil. Beard oil is really good really good an essential piece for your main facial accessory nobody wants a man whose beard is brittle and dry disgusting the oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while adding a little shimmer and shine making you look extra fine cap off the uh, kit with the beard bulb as well a pomade that shapes styles moisturizes and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames the pro beard kit Also comes with three free gifts as well, uh, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CJSHOW at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code CJSHOW to get that deal. Awesome deal. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Yesterday, CJ, the results of the 2022-2023 NHLPA player poll uh, were released. A bunch of different topics in terms of uh, questions like, if you need to win one game, who is the goalie you would want on your team? Uh, Which forward do you think is the most impactful top defenseman in the game? All these different questions. Uh, Really interesting uh, results uh, as far as I'm concerned. Not too many surprises, uh, but I'd love to know your thoughts on uh, some of those results, CJ. 
Well, I love that they do this. I, I the one thing I'd say, I, I kind of would love to see the after dark version of this players poll, like some of the more, you know, in the past, actually, Julian, I know that they used to do say like the worst ice in the league. And, but it created so many headaches, you know, obviously upsetting those ice crews, you know, there's, there's a lot of behind the scenes sort of stuff. So they, they, they try to focus more on the positive, but I'd love to know like who's, who's the coach you'd least want to play for or which organization do you think is farthest from winning the Stanley cup or, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to pick on any cities here, but I was going to say like, which city do you at least look for at least one an off day and there's stuff, stuff like that. Like I think that they're, that, that could be kind of fun, but you know, it, it was, it's a, it's a good exercise. I don't know if you noticed actually recently, the NFL players did yes. a poll where they ranked like the, 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 you know, the way that they travel, the way their families are treated, the, you know, the, the various equipment and, and facilities that each team has. And, and I think that would be interesting too, if, if the NHL PA ever went down that road uh, with its players, because, you know, let's face it, the, the players are the ones experiencing the league in a different way. It's, it's really a league for them. It's for, to display their talents and, uh, I think it's it's cool to hear their views on on these things. I would love to see uh, a list of teams going through similarly what the NFL kind of had their players go through, and then you see like this team is ranked this letter grade in terms of uh, training equipment or equipment staff or just facilities. Like which team has the best facilities? Which ones have the or the lowest ranked? Like. That I think would be very, very interesting, and maybe they have some kind of internal poll. But like, I would love no, to see that. Sub, not even they up. don't, they don't do that. And you know, it's interesting in the NFL. Like, I'm pretty sure it's 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 literally meant to sort of shame certain teams mm. or owners into improving these things, right? Like, like there's, I think that it's not just there to embarrass someone or give the media a headline. I think, I think you're you're trying to spotlight, you know, gaps or or issues that exist in certain places and and kind of air them in public and and. You, you hope that there's a response from those organizations. I'm pretty sure that the Washington commanders were like, pretty sure they were last in like everything. Um, you know, and that's a team that's up for sale right now. And so, you know, when, when that poll comes out and if you, you know, when, when, or if there's a new owner there, I mean, maybe, maybe that gets some things changed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure the NHLPA could use it to similar effect, although there's probably a cost benefit analysis, right? Like how much is it worth pissing people off? Because obviously they have to do regular business with the NHL. They have to, you know, reach agreements. I mean, eventually we talked about best on best at the start of the show. Eventually there's going to be a best on best tournament. It's going to be done in conjunction with the union and and the league. And so, you know, I don't know if we'll ever see that kind of thing in the NHLPA, but you know, I'd like to see it. I'm with you. Like in terms of the poll itself, I mean, the, there wasn't too many surprises. You know, a lot of love for McDavid and and Crosby and, and you know, kind of the guys that you would expect. But, you know, those it, that's sort of the ultimate respect, though. If you're those players, like, that's got to be pretty cool to get that kind of shout-out from your peers. I think it's even more important than the media giving you love or even the fans. I, you know, I think that, that having the respect of your peers, if, if you appeared anywhere on this poll, uh, it's that's, you know, a little feather in your cap. I love uh, which player do you least enjoy playing against but would like to have on your team and Brad Marchand getting 36.5% of the vote. It's the truth. I'm I'm surprised it wasn't higher. Like, yeah. who, who wouldn't want him on their team? Like, we're talking about a guy that that's probably I think he's on a hockey hall of fame trajectory. Brad Marchand. Like, I think he's that good as a player, uh, and he's also you know pretty known agitator. He gets it done in the clutch. Like, he's he's everything you want in a playoff style player. So you you think 
You'd almost think it'd be 100%. I mean, who else got votes on that list? I don't have the list in front uh, of me. Connor McDavid was second at 15.6. Tom Wilson at 8.1%. Matthew Kachuk at six points at 6%. And Victor Hedman. I was surprised about Victor Hedman. Not to say that, I mean, he's a big body guy. You do not, I, I would imagine going up against him every night would be a pain. I guess just considering the people that are above him in terms of agitators with, with Marshawn, Wilson, Kachuk, Hedman was just not the first person I would have thought would have gotten there, but he's there at 3.9%. Right. And, and he's one of the guys I know a little bit better in the league. Like he's such a sweet man too. Like you, you don't, you don't think of him as, as being out there. Maybe, maybe he talks a lot of trash. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, it, that's, again, that's, it's still respect though. It's, it's, it's a different form kind of a, a backhanded compliment maybe, but it's, it's a form of respect to appear on that list. And as I say, I, I still would, I would have Brad Marchand every day if I was filling that out. And then most underrated player, Sasha Barkov, Alexander Barkov again. Like, when do we get him out of the underrated trajectory or, or the tier? Because it's it feels as if we've been calling Alexander Barkov underrated ever since he entered the league. Like, it feels like almost every year it's just, nope, he's underrated. He's underrated. 23% of the vote for who was the most underrated player. And Tage Thompson second at 4.3%. Well, the whole notion of underrated, like it's it's a strange it's a strange concept to talk about. It, anyone is underrated because if you're hyping up anyone, then you're by definition rating them, right? Um, I, I think maybe the only way that for Barkov is if you know he plays somewhere other than Florida, or if Florida, you know, and look, they 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 made a long way last year winning the Presidents Trophy, but if, if Florida becomes more of a force in the league, then then he won't be underrated because he's going to be playing primetime games and playing playoff games and all that stuff in, in the spotlight. But, you know, I think there's, there's a whole, it's, it's not unfair to say it's someone who plays their whole career for the Panthers doesn't get a lot of attention. It's just, it's not a big media market in terms of the way that teams covered locally. It doesn't get a lot of national attention. And, you know, last year was a big step forward. This one's been a bit of a step back, although I think it looks like they might actually, you know, find their way into the Eastern conference wildcard picture and get back to the playoffs. But, you know, that, that, that franchise is still trying to earn a little bit of respect. I think it's fair to say that. Uh, one question I thought was really weird, only because, like, I mean, there's no way for all the voters to see everyone's shoes, but who has the best shoe game? Uh, <laughs> not saying Austin Matthews wouldn't have the best shoe game. I'm just curious, like, how, like, how do you, like, are people, are players even looking at that? Like, I don't know. I'm just, I was just a bit surprised that question was even there. Well, obviously all players probably aren't, but I, maybe the younger guys are like, like most teams nowadays do have like the walk-in shots of their players, uh, you know, on, on Insta or, or even on Twitter. And so, you know, I've seen like Sarah Siv does sort of a style ranking of the players based on those shots. Um, and you know, I, I do think there is more attention on that kind of thing. And, and probably some of the younger guys and certainly, you know, like some of the, the Leafs players who I spent a time around, like they clearly put a lot of effort into it. And, and Matthews and Nylander, Marner, I mean, these guys, these guys are not just showing up in a typical business suit very often there. And, you know, the Leafs have a more casual dress code so they can wear sneaks uh, with their suits. It doesn't have to be sort of business casual. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You're right. I bet some like some veterans are filling this thing out and probably like, what the heck? Like, what do I put for this? <laughs> yeah. But but I, but I also do think that the younger there, there's some dialed in guys that live on social media and play in the NHL and they're, they're no doubt they have some opinions on the sneakers and, and the best dressed and all that stuff. What's your shoe game like, CJ? It's it's not particularly strong. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, I got I've got 
you know, a couple go-to pairs, like, like I buy nice shoes and want my feet to be comfortable, but I, I don't have like 30 pairs of shoes in my house or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty simple, simple man. It will not surprise you to learn that. I'm sure. Do you have more running shoes than dress shoes? Yes. Like running, like, like when you're like proper running footwear. Yes. I probably have like five pairs of running shoes now or maybe even more. Okay. I kind of, I like, I like to rotate between them. Like I don't wear the same pair every day because I'm trying to avoid having like repetitive stress issues. So mm. plus I have winter ones. Like anyway, yeah. I got a lot of running shoes. I, I if I I'm probably spending more money on running shoes in a year than I am on shoes that I would wear either dress shoes or, or comfy shoes or what have you. That's fair. Okay. Um one other thought I had in my head, I wonder if it's worth doing some kind of SDPN player poll where we do something similar. We put together questions and then everyone across the network tries to do something similar like this, where we just get everyone to vote like on similar questions. Like if you need one goalie to win the game, who's the goalie you'd want on your team? I think we had, didn't we have something similar like that last year? I think we should do one. I mean, it, first of all, it's free content for the socials. Um, I mean, it just makes sense. I, I we, we could, we could spearhead this. I mean, We've got everyone's contact. I think we should. And I can come up with five or six questions and spread around the group chat, and there we go. We could be the change you want to see in the world, it. Julian. <laughs> I think that's something uh, we should put together, uh, and I think we should go go beyond the group chat. This should be something that, like, even all the SDPN game over shows should do: a SDPN player poll where we get everyone to vote. All right. If you had one podcaster me, give, to win the Stanley Cup, who would you want to podcast with? Okay, well, you. That's easily you. You're going to win. Okay, now we should... I'm we picking should, you. We should make it absurd. We could have the best shoes on the SDPN. I don't I don't know who would win that. But. Ooh, if I don't win that, I'll be very upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, I realized when, when we're going through some of the results, there are at least, like, the. let's go through, like, the three... Or maybe not three, but like there's a few other ones we should probably just like discuss. If I know we did, weren't a lot of surprises, but like best stick handler going to Patrick Kane, we should mention top defenseman going to Kale McCarr, must win game. Which forward do you think would be the most impactful? Sydney, Cro- uh, sorry, Connor McDavid getting almost 60% of the vote. And Andre Vasilevsky, if you need one game, who's the goal you want on your team? Andre Vasilevsky getting 52.3% of the vote, more than reigning. Vezina Trophy winner Igor Shosturkin at 4.8%. Well, Vazzy's been in three straight cup finals, my man. Yeah, hard to go against that. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying he's the best goalie in the moment, um, but if, if you're getting down to that one game kind of thing, like he's got the Carey Price kind of swagger from Carey Price's heyday. Like, it's not just about measuring save percentages or goals saved above expected. It's about who's going to get the job done. I mean, and you know, when they won the cup in 2021, remember he had all those shutouts in the closing games. Like, like he is, mm-hmm. he's, he's a killer between the pipes. Like he's, he's, I, I, yeah, that would be my goaltender. That, that would be my pick. If you had asked me that. Don't, don't get me wrong. That would be my goaltender too. It's just to see that he, I mean, having him having over 50% of the vote is one thing to have Igor Shosturkin who fine, not having the greatest season at just under 5%. It's just, Really telling about how confident everyone else is in Vasilevsky. And I guess uh, for the other categories, not surprised so much with McDavid. Uh, Kale McCarr at 64 again. Stick Handler, in, I mean, Kane is just 
bonkers as well. But good to see McDavid also at under 30% as well. But yeah, not that crazy. I'd like to see a little bit of that representation ball. from the olds on this list. So, I mean, does does Joe Pavelski count as an old? He yes. is the uh, he's the leader of uh, who affects the game most around the net. I thought Matthew Kachuk would have gotten more votes than eight point eight percent of the votes. The players know, man. The players know. They do. They do. That's fair. They know. Anyway, uh, we will try to find a way uh, to create some kind of player poll for ourselves so we can be silly on our own. And please let me come up with questions and I will make sure that uh, we will make them as not all of them absurd, but we will definitely have some uh, some absurd ones and we'll do it uh, as a cool thing. Um, let's look at the playoff races right now in both the East and the West just really quickly. Um, looking at the Eastern wildcard, Pittsburgh just got themselves back into the wildcard chase. Uh, they're back into the second wildcard spot, I should say. Florida's a point behind. Any other notable things you're seeing on the Eastern uh, playoff race, Siege? Well, I mean, I, th- I think you could look at the Metropolitan Division and, and try to, to forecast who's going to win that division. You know, I think that it's it's a pretty big carrot. Look, there's no easy playoff matchups, and and but if you can face a wild card team, that's probably better than having to face one of the Devils or the Rangers um, in round one. If you're in the Metro, and and you know, I, I kind of feel like Carolina is going to hang on, but it's it's you know it's really close there with New Jersey. You know, obviously Carolina is down Spechnikov now, but you know, I, I just think that that team is well, this is damn good, and it's been good for a long time. Um, you know, to me, they that's that's who I would be picking to, to win that division, but that'll be kind of an interesting race. You know, we're also, you know, if you're watching the Atlantic, we, we know Boston, they, they could, uh, they could dress to the Providence Bruins for the rest of the year and still uh, win, win the conference, win, win the president's trophy. Um, but yeah. you know, the, the Toronto Tampa thing is, is going to probably go down to the wire in terms of which team opens on the road uh, and who, who secures home ice advantage. I'm not really sure how much that matters. I mean, it definitely doesn't matter on the lightning end of things. Like those guys, those guys will win anywhere you want to play. Um, but, you know, I think that there's a case to be made, even though the Leafs lost a game seven to Tampa on home ice last year uh, in game, that they would still want the chance to play game seven at home. So, you know, the Leafs I know are pushing for that. Um, you know, and the wildcard race, I don't, I don't have any strong opinions. It feels, I mean, and Matt, look at Pittsburgh as the league's longest, consecutive streak of, of qualifying for the playoffs. It, it matters to those guys to, to get in. And, and, you know, you saw Crosby score a pretty ridiculous goal with the backhand, uh, you know, big game against Colorado on Wednesday. And like, he's still there. Like, like I, I just feel like somehow, some way, even though this Pittsburgh team is, is quite diminished from where it has been that they're going to find their, their way into the, into the dance, but it, you know, it's tough. Like the Islanders are right there. Sorokin's playing great. And, and Florida has, has climbed all the way back in. It looked like they were dead to rights, you know, two months ago. Um, but they've they found their way back into that picture. So, you know, that's kind of – I think Pittsburgh gets in. And I know you don't want to play the Islanders even if they're, they squeak into that last spot. <laughs> like, if you're Boston – I mean, not that they're – I'm not saying anyone scares Boston, but you just – you don't want to, a chance where you could get goalied. And, and I think that that, that is very possible if, if, you, if you face the Islanders. Did you see uh, Steve Dangle's LFR this week after the embarrassing loss to the Islanders? Any worries there? I did there? not. Oof. Just another one of those ones where he kind of goes off and strains his voice a little bit. 
but uh, seven two is never a good score. No, it's, it's hard to paint that one in a positive light. I mean, it was it was a three two game, and then it got away pretty quickly. And they also pulled the goalie with six minutes left. So I mean, the yeah. the final score isn't isn't just indicative. But yes, poor Steve. Yeah, but but no, but any like worries with with, with like the Leafs and how you know they they had all these new players and people are wondering like oh that they add too much and. You know, everyone's trying. I mean, there's some injuries as well, too. Like anything with those guys, you're kind of keeping an eye on. I no, I don't see. I don't see that much reason for concern myself. I mean, I, I think the Leafs have been good enough for long enough to earn some benefit of the doubt when it comes to you know these games right now. Like like they lose seven two to the Islanders, wouldn't surprise me to see them win four in a row after that. Like it's it's to me they they have consistently stayed away from long losing streaks. Um, you know, I'm not trying to put any positive spin on a 7-2 loss, but I just think it's one game out of 82 in a lot of ways. And let's face it, it's it's what we've all been saying. The, 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 these games really don't matter very much. I mean, this is part of the complaint about the whole playoff system, right? Is it's they've just been locked into this matchup with Tampa forever. I I, I can't I can't get too worked up about it. Now, if they string three of those efforts together, we have a different conversation. But you know, to this point, they haven't done that. And you know, I think that there, it's natural to wonder about how the, all the pieces are going to fit. But if you watch Julian, like the way Sheldon Keith has juggled the lineup, like it's, it's, he's taking three and four players out every game. He's trying all sorts of, like, it almost feels like preseason or something. Like it feels like, like they're just experimenting with everything because they have this time to do it. You know, clearly as the playoffs get even closer, we're still a month away though. Right. Um, you want to see every team that, that, you know, has high ambitions playing at their best. But I'm not. I'm not going to overreact to, to one game in March that that really will be completely forgotten about once uh, April 17th comes around. Very fair. We should look at the Western Conference uh, because there are some tight races there. The Central Division right now: Dallas and Minnesota tied at 90 points. Vegas with only a two point advantage on Los Angeles, and even Edmonton four points behind Vegas. I didn't even mention Colorado in the central, which is two points behind Dallas and Minnesota. And then you get to the wild card uh, where Seattle and Winnipeg are in spots right now. And Calgary and Nashville are still just hanging on uh, by the slightest of, by the smallest of threads. Uh, What are your thoughts on what's going on out West? Colorado just seems like they're just lurking. Don't they? I mean, like they, they just all year long. I mean, they've had terrible injury situations, a lot of players out, and you know, haven't blown the blown anyone out by any stretch of the imagination, but I just feel like they're just sitting there, perhaps even to win the division. Although I don't really think with the experience they had last year that that is that important. I mean, for them, it's just about getting in. Nobody's going to want to play them. Uh, I can guarantee you that in round one or round two or wherever else they play. Um, and so I, I wonder, you know, did they have a did they have a surge in them? You know, Minnesota's had a crazy hot stretch to even get to where they're tied with Dallas. I think ultimately Dallas probably wins that divisional crown in the regular season. Um, you know, the Pacific division to me is a bit of a grab bag. I mean, the, the LA Kings, you know, and talking to some people, they, they've really opened eyes this year um, in the Western conference for, for some of the, you know, the teams they're playing against. I think, you know, they're, they're getting some goaltending now, like the, the Corpus Allo Gavrikov trade has really worked, worked well for them since the deadline. And all of a sudden, you know, they have a plus goal differential. Remember, it wasn't that long ago. They were a playoff team and they had allowed more goals than they'd scored because they couldn't get a save. And so, you know, they, they 
are, are dangerous in the Pacific. Um, you know, Vegas, I don't know what to make of Vegas this year. I mean, Mark Stone, not in the picture, but they've like full credit. They're sitting there at the top of the division as we're recording this. I still think Edmonton can win the Pacific myself. Um, the Oilers, they, they seem to really have a good thing going. I think the Ekholm trade has, has been a big positive for them at the deadline. Absolutely. And, you know, they're just outscoring their problems on any given night. When, when Even if they have defensive issues or goaltending challenges, they, they, they find a way to score at least one more than the opponent more often than not. So, you know, I, I could see Edmonton still creeping up there and winning that division. Um, you know, as for the wild card, who knows how that's going to go? I mean, it's, it's been strange to see the Jets leaking oil for so long and they still managed to hold on to a spot. I know you're, this will be close to your mind, but the, the flames have flamed out a little bit um, and, and aren't pushing hard. I mean, Nashville sold pretty aggressively at the deadline. And, and I know one thing that management communicate, communicate to the players is this isn't going to be like a full-scale teardown. This is a, a momentary kind of reset. We still believe in the team. I and mean, they still have UC Soros, one of the best goalies in the league. And they, and they have quality players, right? Like, this is still a team with Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg and, um, you know, difference making kind of guys. And so maybe they'll, they'll find their way back. But um, I, I think more, I'm kind of rooting for Seattle. I know that's almost unprofessional of me. Like I don't have any tie to the crack, but I just think it's cool for a new fan base to get energized around a, a playoff race. I saw that they're, they're doing like a, a little bit. They have like a little thing going on. John Forslund, their play-by-play man in the booth has like a Ryan Clark tweeted this out, a picture of, um, they have almost like a prayer circle for the playoffs. Like they have candles and everything. <laughs> they have like this whole like shrine for, for trying to make the playoffs in Seattle. They got a big win in Dallas this week. Um, but, I, you know, I, I'd like to see the Kraken get in just because, I, you know, I think, and as I've said, I'd like to see a Kraken Gold Knights playoff round. I think that that, if, if, I, if CJ could pick the playoff matchups, that, that would be one I would lock in right now for sure. Uh, by the way, the name of the uh, – so I look at the photo with this shrine. A lot of uh, – those look like Christmas lights and yeah, random yeah. Little flowers around. And it's all part of a new religion that uh, John Forslund calls Krakenism. That's good. <laughs> I like Krakenism. I like Krakenism. I want the Kraken right. to make it too. I think it's really cool to see uh, a team that uh, – you know, everyone was dumping on them last year for how they handled the expansion draft – and then for them to be a playoff team in their second year of existence, like the Vegas Golden Knights have kind of ruined what an expansion team should really look like, a team that should just kind of suck for the first few years before they get their footing. Like now we're going to be in a situation where like the last two expansion teams, if it happens, like, I mean, the I mean, the, the Golden Knights have the year that they have in the first year, but like Seattle, if they make the playoffs in their second year, that's excellent as far as I'm concerned. That's really cool on their part. And, and I mean, they're only like, Five points away from Edmonton, a little farther for them to catch up to Vegas, mind you. But if they get in as a wild card, that is a huge success for their season. Well, and it validates, you know, what the NHL did. They changed the expansion rules before Vegas, right? Like compared to the expansion you saw in years gone by when, when teams like Minnesota and Columbus and, and what have you, you know, came into the league, they, they didn't have anywhere near as favorable rules in place. And, and the NHL said, hey, we're charging you more money for these franchises. So we're going to give you, you know, a better team to begin with. And, and I think it's been justified. I mean, Vegas blew everyone's expectations out of the water, but they've, they've been a playoff team, you know, all but one year of their existence. And, you know, I think Seattle, what they lack is sort of like a true star. I think Matty Beneers will be that, um, but they, they don't necessarily have like one difference maker, but they're just a solid team that gets scoring up and down the lineup. Vince Dunn's had a 
great year on their back end. Um, you know, their goaltenders have given them some issues. They're, they're another team like Edmonton. They, they seem to win six, five games. And then they win a nine, eight game against Los Angeles early in the year. But um, either, either way, I mean, they're, they're finding a way to get it done. And so I'm, 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 I think that they're going to get in. I really do. I mean, they, they've had a little bit of a fall off of late. As I mentioned before, for a big road win in Dallas this week, but um, you know this this is uh, it's it's going to go right down to the wire there, and and uh, I'd love to see Seattle get get games in mid-April and see what that building looks like and everything um, with with the the you know the playoff excitement. I still have to go visit uh, Climate Pledge Arena probably next season uh, at this point for me, but uh, it looks like a really cool arena. Anyway, um. Anything else about the Western Conference before we get to stick taps? No, I think I've emptied my brain to this point. I, what we should do, though, before the end of the season is when we have, the, like, the eight teams, we should do our own playoff format and be like, if these eight teams oh, are yeah. to make it, what are the best playoff matchups with those possible out of those eight teams? I think that'd be fun. We can do that. I love these shows, by the way, where we just, like, say, like, hey, why don't we do this idea? Love that. <laughs> um, well, you know, we're taps. in flow state, man. We're in the flow. We're the flow stage. Just, just it's like a these, these aren't podcast episodes. These are just low key focus groups, brainstorming sessions, right? Brainstorming sessions. Uh, we should get to stick taps uh, before we get on out of here. Before we move on here on the CJ show, let's talk about Formula One, one of the biggest sports in the world, one of the fastest rising sports in the world. You've probably watched Drive to Survive on Netflix. Great show. Uh, a new season is underway. Red Bull and Ferrari leading the pack. Kind of like Lewis Hamilton a little bit more, but it doesn't matter. I have some good news for you. If you are into F1 and you would love to listen to a podcast that talks about F1 and even IndyCar, we have that here just for you at the STPN. The podcast is called Nailing the Apex. And Tim Haraney, uh, who used to be a race car driver himself and is now turned into a very notable auto racing insider, he is the man behind the wheel of this podcast. And you can listen to it through the SDPN. They drop three episodes a week, race weekend coverage, the biggest stories from the paddock, and special guests. They have it all covered. Welcome to the SDPN, Tim. We are so excited to have you on board. And make sure you listen to Nailing the Apex. Uh, do you have one? Should I start? What should we do? Why don't you start? I have a really weird one. Uh, uh, goalkeeping legend, uh, Peter Cech, uh, who spent uh, many of his career with Chelsea, uh, spent some time with Arsenal as well, uh, is eyeing a hockey title with uh, a team called the Chelmsford Chieftains uh, this weekend as part of the National League Division One South Cup. Uh, he went from soccer goaltending to hockey goaltending uh, after his retirement from football in 2019, and he now finds himself in a position where he could find himself winning a nice hockey title. Just the fact that he's put himself in that position anyway, I think is enough uh, for him to get a stick down. I think that is a really, really cool uh, story to pull up. And uh, I just wanted to just show some props. It's not every day uh, you hear about, uh, you know, you, you hear sometimes about athletes being good at another sport. It's not every day you see that athlete going from one sport we all know them as to another one where, you know, hey, they're sort of good at that too. So uh, a stick tap uh, to Peter Jack and uh, the opportunity for him to win some hockey silverware this weekend. He was on the ice with the Chicago this year, wasn't he? The Blackhawks. Uh, yeah, I remember someone tweeting a photo about that. Like I think he was on. Year. He was. He, he at least practiced with them, or or something like that. 
Um, I forgot about my stick that, tab, but like I remember that. I was going to say, my stick tab yeah, go goes ahead. to Jared Bednar. And maybe mm. not for an obvious reason, but you might have saw he got a three-year contract extension from Colorado. Now being among the, you know, the, the highest paid coaches in the game, you know, north of 4.5 million when his new extension kicks in. But I, I think it's a good chance to say, like, this guy has seen some things. Because Jared Bednar, to get to this point where he's won a Stanley Cup and he's now being paid among the best in the league, if you, he's got one of the truly fun hockey DB pages if you go look at it. It must not have been the most fun life to live all the time because, he, you know, he, as a player, he, he never reached the NHL, but he was through various stops in the ECHL and AHL. He started his coaching career as an ECHL assistant. He coached in three or four different American Hockey League cities on his way to Colorado. His first year at the Avalanche, Julian, they won 22 games out of 82. Uh, and, and that ended up being a very fortuitous year for Colorado because they, they drafted Kale McCarr that season. And, and so, so to speak, the rest is history. But, you know, this guy was a long shot, I would say, to become among the league's best paid coaches, to have the kind of tenure he's had. And uh, props to him for sticking with it and finding a way to, to, to get this kind of reward. It's a financial reward, but I'm sure it must be rewarding to have you know, been through all those different places, lived in all those spots. He was in the cheese toast league, man, the East coast. And uh, now, now he's eating caviar with the avalanche. And uh, if we're not too careful, he could be eating caviar out of the Stanley cup for a second consecutive season. Don't sleep on the Colorado avalanche at all. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. And with that, that's going to do it for the Thursday edition of the CJ show. CJ, uh, always great to do these shows with you, man. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode. Get your questions in now for Ask CJ, whether on Discord or on Twitter. Uh, we'll try to get to as many as we can. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Enjoy your weekend, and we will see you on Monday. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.